Good morning, Chapel Hill. All right, it's time to get our Bibles out, open up our Bible apps, and if you do not have a Bible, you're going to need one to follow along in. If you don't have one, just put your hand up like this, and our ushers will come around and get you a Bible that you can use to follow along in. Um, And I want to just draw some attention to that fact as we get our Bibles out, as we open up our Bible apps and start to dig into the Word again uh, in this series on prayer, we need to understand, acknowledge, affirm the fact that the Bible is our greatest ally. It's it's, it's, It's an incredible resource when it comes to our quest to bring more passion to our prayer life. And so never forget that, that prayer is not something that happens aside from, it's not in a different place as the Word of God. And so um, as we go through this series, remember that that Bible is there to help you in your union with God. Um, It is a tremendous resource for all of us. All right, last week we opened this new series by talking about our union with God And this is, in my opinion, the most critical piece of the challenge to bring new passion to our prayer lives. If anything but our union with God is at the center of our efforts to pray, we're missing the mark. And it gets harder to advance at all. We just don't see it. It's a struggle. Now, in John 17, we looked at that last week. In John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be in him as he is in us. He prayed for a union between us and God, Father and Son, and remember that the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet when he prayed this prayer, that would be so close that the terms in him and him in us would be the only ones that would adequately describe that union between us and God. Jesus prayed that we would be one with God. That's a close, close union. That's not merely knowing stuff about God. That is us knowing God and God knowing us. And so last week we were faced with the intimidating command to pray without ceasing. And there was no way around this. Praying continually without ceasing is exactly what we're being instructed to do. This is to be ongoing, never ending. And how is that possible? Is that possible? Well, it's only possible if we remember that God is in us, and his desire is for us to be in him. And to that end, Jesus promised that he would be with us always. He would never leave us. Prayer has to be more than a once in a while when it's convenient as it fits into my busy schedule kind of an activity. Prayer is the reality of an ongoing, never-ceasing union with our Father, with Jesus Christ. And in that union, there's communication happening between us and God, and there's also a continuous sharing of thoughts and emotions, our values, perspective, priorities. That's going on with God all the time, and that's far more than us simply saying something to God once in a while. This morning, I want to talk for a bit on how we protect that union. How do we protect that union? Our union with God is meant to be uninterrupted. And one day soon, this will be much easier than it is now. God will be here with us face to face, and that union will never again be challenged. But right now, in this temporary life, this union is challenged constantly. 
So let's step onto that battlefield more passionately and intentionally than we ever have. This is a battle that is worth fighting. This desire to maintain our union with God is not a new thing that we brilliant 21st century Westerners have discovered. This is something that's always existed, but sadly it's diminished over the years of our history. This is reclamation work now. This is redemptive work. Our prayer as we go through this this message today ought to be that God restores in us the desire that he created us to have. This is part of our DNA. This desire for union with God was meant to be an eternal, ongoing, uninterrupted desire and experience. And so let me start start us out here with an example of what that looks like Um, David was referred to as a man after God's heart. He had this desire to be in union with God. It was clear in so much that David did and wrote, but how comforting it is to know that he also wrestled with the challenge of maintaining this union, much like we do. He faced some of the same interruptions to this union that we face. So turn now to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, Uh, David had some good things to say about protecting this union, our union with God. There's a statement in here that I'll highlight, um, hoping that we all remember this and strive to do it. So here then is Psalm 16, and this is what David writes. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. It's quite a statement. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after gods, after another God, shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. And I apologize. I'm not going to explain that verse this morning. It's confusing. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. Now, note that he's highlighting here the without ceasing part of prayer. Okay, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's what I want us to give special attention to here. In verse 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. In his line of sight, always was God. This is a, a statement that I'm praying will be true of all of us. I pray that we'll all set God always before us. David had just 
had just stated that his union with God is being lived out both while he's awake and even while he's sleeping in the night. And in that reality, he states, God is fixed in his vision always. He is always before him. Now, I love the supporting statements in this psalm. In verse 2, David states the, the contrast to this union. He says that he has no good apart from God when that union is broken. Broken. There's just, he has no good. Um, I can connect with that statement. I think most of us can. And at the end of the psalm, David declares what we get from this ongoing union fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Now, that's pretty motivating, or should be. But this is not some isolated, idealistic, unrealistic statement about something that's impossible to experience unless you're someone on David's level. We too, just like David, are God's holy ones. God invites us into union with him, and that in itself is absolutely remarkable. In Psalm 51:11, David pleads with God to not cast him away from his presence. He was learning the incomparable value of this union with God. He did not want it to be broken. Psalm 105, verse 4, encourages us to seek out this union. It says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. And so we should. This union with God that we desire is not something that happens automatically for us. At least not right now. It will once Jesus comes back. One day soon we're going to enter into an eternity of face-to-face union with God that, like I said earlier, cannot be interrupted, will not be interrupted ever again. But for now, there's seeking that needs to happen. There's effort required to protect the union that we desire and that God desires between us and him. He'll faithfully do his part to protect this union. But what's on us? What's our responsibility in this? Well, I think there's an important step that we can take this morning to protect that union with God, to keep it from being interrupted so much. Because let's be honest, it's hard to say with integrity that we are faithfully keeping the Lord always before us. Sometimes there are other things before us. Sometimes there are a lot of other things before us. The step that we can take is to identify the interruptions. That's one of the steps that we can take. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. What's taking us away from this union? What's happening in our lives or what do we allow to happen in our lives that disrupts the communication, the sharing, the continuous communion with God that we were created to enjoy? Can we identify it and maybe then do something about it? But let me, let's make sure that we're clear on something here. This discipline is not intended to create guilt. Um, conviction, yes. Conviction is not a bad thing. Guilt, no. No shame either. We all fight this battle. And the battle looks unique for every one of us. But the battle is real and the cost is very, very high. But so is the reward. It's also very high. 
the Psalms that we looked at named some of those rewards like fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore and those sound pretty good and ought to be motivating for us. So I'm gonna take the next little while to throw out some possibilities for us. The things that I'm gonna list and touch on just may be things that are interrupting our union with God. And to be clear, they're not taking away our place in God's family, that's not what they're doing. They're interrupting our ongoing, life-giving, joy-producing, peace-creating, love-centered, empowering closeness with our Father. And all of these can be overcome so that our union is restored and protected. So let's identify some interrupters here. The first one could not be more obvious. Time is our excuse for so many things. There are many, many things that we'd like to do in the course of a day, but we simply do not have enough time. Connecting with God through prayer is certainly one of those things. We are a busy culture um, from my own observation. Our culture, our country has gotten busier over the years, and I think that's even been amplified the last couple of years. We have too much going on, and too much of what's going on is interrupting our union with God because too many of the things that we do have nothing to do with God. But there's more to this than just scheduling more time for prayer. And we're going to talk about that in a bit. For now, ask yourself if busyness is an interrupter for you and what can you do to fight back against the busyness? The second interrupter is what I call reckless sharing. Um, last week we talked about our union with God involving communication between us and God and a sharing of thoughts and emotions and values and perspective and priorities. One of the things that interrupts that union with God is when we choose something or someone other than God to have this level of union with first. We were created for union with others as well as union with God. But when we make other people or other things a higher priority than God, our union with God gets interrupted. We can certainly maintain a union with God and have union with each other. We were created for that. But not in the wrong order of value or priority. Next, devaluing prayer, I think, is also an interrupter for us. Sometimes we just uh, let ourselves think that prayer is only, it only has true value for us if it works. Otherwise, we want God to, uh, oftentimes we want God to respond to our desires, our plan, and if he doesn't, prayer failed. And it loses value in our eyes. Remember that our union with God doesn't fail. It works. And in that union, God aligns us with his will. And when our will aligns with God's will, prayer's immense value is affirmed again and again and again. That alignment comes through union Unity with God, uninterrupted unity with God. And then we ourselves 
are interrupters to our union with God. Sometimes it's honestly just not important enough, so it gets neglected. Sustaining this union takes work, takes devotion, and we sometimes lack that devotion. It takes dedication, and we sometimes lack that dedication. Now, way back in the Old Testament is a guy named Daniel who had this great practice. He set aside three set times every day when he would pause, focus on the Lord, and pray. Even Jesus regularly made time to just connect with the Father on a deep level. More on that later in this series as well. The way that we think about prayer is also often an interrupter. If we see prayer as merely a spiritual exercise, it's going to fall into the spiritual compartment in our lives and not get beyond that. It's just a spiritual thing that we do. But this union with God that we've been talking about involves all of our being, every part of us. We're directed to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and even our strength, our hearts, our brains, even our bodies, all involved in sustaining this union with God. If we neglect any aspect of who we are in our union with God, we miss the depth of the union that was created for us, that God desires for us. We're going to miss part of that. For the next one, I've used the word inconsistency. Um, but when I use that word, I do not mean to point out that sometimes we have an inconsistent practice of prayer, an inconsistent schedule. I'm talking about character here. Who are you when you pray? Are you a different person than you are when you're talking to God? Has prayer taken on too much of a performance nature for you? We can't carry on a union with God that never ceases if we think we have to put on a different face when we're talking to God. We have to be ourselves with him all the time. And we can't be afraid of that. He loves us and he accepts us unconditionally. We will change over time. God will transform us over time. But that change isn't going to come through us faking who we are when we're coming face to face with God so that we will be more acceptable to him. We have to be who we are. Now when God talks about his desires for us, he always expresses that he wants the very best for us, his best for us. In Psalm 16, we read about fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. God's desire is to fully restore us He's constantly working to redeem us, to redeem his church, to redeem the world around us that he's created. His desire is for the very best in all of that. That desire for the very best is in us as well since we were created in his image. So that ought to be our desire as well for the very best. And so we can't ever let ourselves merely settle for prayer as a religious ritual or an obligation what we're shooting for is a deep, authentic union with the creator of the universe. We can't shoot for anything less or we'll just get what we shoot for and we will be disappointed. A limited view of God, not just a prayer, can also be an interrupter for us, I think. A common criticism of the way some people view God is that God is a giant vending machine. 
We put our prayers in the slot and out come the results. We get what we want. We pay for what we want by praying or by doing things. Sometimes our limited view of God also reduces our quest for union with him to a one-dimensional request as we look at who he is. Maybe we see God as just a comforter. Maybe we see him as just a helper, just a friend, just a judge, just a king, just a father. But God is all of those things and so much more. We have to know that we're seeking union with and and who we're seeking union with and approach him as he really is to experience true union with him. And then there's self-sufficiency. This is a major interrupter. How could we ever expect to have true union with a God we don't need? This is a major challenge for us in this culture, this worldly kingdom. We're convinced regularly that we are self-sufficient. The answer lies within. We're taught to be our own gods, and that bit of deception keeps us from experiencing the total sufficiency of God who offers to be everything we need, not just give us everything we need or want, but be everything that we need. This is why Jesus invites us to die to ourselves daily. That death to self is necessary for our union with God. We have to break the self-sufficiency. And then there's noise. This union requires focus, and yet we fill our lives with noise. The noise of information, the noise of entertainment, the noise of self-talk, the noise of relational talk, the noise of opinion, the noise of music, which is certainly not always an interrupter, but it can be. The noise of social media, the noise of advertising, the noise, 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 to quote the Grinch. It's no wonder then that we see Jesus during his life here on earth regularly retreating to a desolate place. You know, that's how it's referred to. When Jesus got away, he went to a desolate place. He sought out time in lonely, uninhabited, quiet places to refresh that union with his Father. This is something that we can do as well. And then, last on the list for today, is another obvious interrupter, and this time, it's sin. Sin has no place in our union with God. But we so easily let it interrupt that union. Offered the life that our union with God brings us, we still choose the sin that offers the exact opposite. Our selfishness gets in the way, The desires of our flesh win sometimes, and we stray, wandering to places where God isn't. Pride goes unchecked. We judge and hurt people. And then sometimes we even neglect to confess that sin and truly repent, all the while missing out on the closeness with God that we so desperately need. There are, I'm sure, many more interrupters that we could name here. What are yours? That's the point of all this. There are interrupters to our union with God, 
What are we supposed to do with that? Well, identifying those interrupters is a good starting point. You know what yours are. I know what mine are. No more living in oblivion. No more deceiving ourselves into thinking that we don't have any interrupters. Am I then willing to stand face to face with the problem? Am I willing to admit that it's my problem? And own that problem and do something about that problem? See, apathy is a killer. We can certainly walk out of here this morning, turn the noise back on, give the busyness its authority again, ignore the sin, switch our minds to another compartment, settle for whatever things looked like before we came in here and just carry on. That is an option. Or we can honestly identify and acknowledge whatever it is that's interrupting our union with God with the one who loves us perfectly and holds our lives in his hands. But as I thought about and then wrote this message, I was definitely uncomfortable just leaving it at that. No, we shouldn't ignore this. But we also shouldn't just identify our interrupters and pat ourselves on the back for having completed the exercise. This has to be some, there has to be something more to this. And here's where I landed, looking for that something more. I landed on Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. These words came to mind as I was contemplating what else I can do to restore my union with my Father and with Jesus Christ. And this is what those verses say. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I mentioned earlier that this quest for union with God is a battle. And I strongly believe this. I believe that the enemy wants to keep us apart from God. He doesn't want us to have that closeness. He's always working to separate the creation from its creator. These verses remind me that this is a race. This is a struggle. And they remind me that there are interrupters that I need to lay aside. That's what we've been working on this morning. But I also put an essential question in my head. And the question is this. Is it worth it? Is this worth it? More accurately, is he worth it? Is my union with God worth striving for? Is God worth striving for? I can acknowledge and identify the things that are weighing me down and interrupting my union with God, but doing something about those things requires me to be motivated is God himself motivation enough for me is he a good enough reason for me to fight for this union I'm not asking if Christianity is a good enough reason for me to fight I'm asking if God is a good enough reason is he my goal is he my prize is he my reward is he my reason my motivation my inspiration 
Or is my quest to pray just a quest to do the right thing? Religion will never be enough of a reason for us to do the hard thing of casting off all distractions, all interrupters, and running the hard race. But God is reason enough. He's worth fighting for. The joy we find in his presence, the pleasures forevermore that come with being in him, the unconditional love, the depth of our worth, our identity, our security, all point to the fact that he is worth it. And so as we walk away from this time together today, let's declare with David that we will set the Lord always before us. Always. Knowing that he has the strength that we know, that we need. Knowing that he is the strength that we need and he has the grace that we need as well. God is everything to us and he is worth it. And in our love for him, let's seek out his presence every moment of every day, keeping the Lord always before us. Will you pray with me now? Father, we come before you this morning uh, asking for help, which we do a lot. Asking, Lord, that what you do in our lives will draw us into a closer union with you and not just closer, but a more consistent, all the time, never ceasing, ongoing union with you. And God, we need your help to do this. Father, we need your help to identify what the things are that are interrupting our union with you. We need your help not just to identify those things, but to overcome them. And first and foremost, Lord, will you just bring to mind, fill our hearts with the reality of who you are. Because this isn't about something that we do for you. This is about something that we do with you. And God, we don't want that with you aspect to be interrupted at all. We get to spend eternity with you. That experience of that union is to start now. So Father, please help us to lay aside everything that interrupts our union with you. you and a host of others run a race that leads to you you are our prize you are our portion you are our cup you are everything redeem and restore us create in us fresh passion and the desire and ability to set you always before us ask for this for my sake for the sake of all those who are here for the sake of your global church in the name of Jesus Christ your son